Hi everybody, we are Matt and Kevin and welcome to Season 2 of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also find us on social media at Believe in OWL and Believe.com. This week, we highlight the 10 matches that were played last weekend, the Muffin controversy, and the new edition for April Fool's Day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast, Gameplay Edition. Um, yeah, it was, this week was just interesting, to, to say the least. Um, I don't really know what I was expecting from online play. Uh, what, what, what did, did you have any expectations, Kevin? I, I honestly thought that it was just going to be the same thing as the league. You know, we still play our games. Uh, everything is going according to plan. Um, but you know, if you put money on these games, uh, expect to lose some, there is a <laughs> lot of really weird, uh, weird matches. Um, there's a lot of, you know, stops, a lot of, a lot of pauses. Um, but honestly, for the most part, it was just the way how the league is adapting to the current climate of everything. Um, the coronavirus is keeping everybody in. We have to remain six feet apart. Um, and, you know, we can't really, like, you know, have a land experience, at least for now. So, if anything, I feel like we need to enjoy the games while we while we have them, uh, w- no matter what form they come in. Um, and, yeah, hopefully we will get to see a lot of really interesting plays. And um, currently with the hero bands, we aren't going to be getting, like, a certain set meta either. So, um We'll see how all that comes into play. Another thing, too, is um, as we mentioned in the uh, news segment, if you haven't listened to that, um, pretty much from this point to the end of the year, not counting the um, grand finals, everything's going to be online for now. They've canceled the rest of the homestands because um, we can't really predict when the coronavirus um, stuff is going to end. So just to be safe, I guess Blizzard decided that it'd be smarter to um, just plan on having everything online, focus uh, all their energy on making online stuff good, as opposed to holding out for hope that um, this would end in time for some homestands to come back. Um, and, and that being said, that changed the entirety of the schedule for the upcoming weeks of Overwatch League. I know that this week we were supposed to have 16 matches. We only had 10 um, next week, which is week nine, we were supposed to have 22 matches. And again, it's, it's going back to 10 and same thing for week 10. Uh, so maybe this is the trend that we're going to be seeing now just 10 matches per week, um, starting at like 1am Pacific standard time and going to whenever they end, I think like 3pm Pacific standard time is when the, um, the next matches start. I mean, the last match ends for the day. Um, So, yeah. So, I don't know which ones you watched, Kevin. But, so, for day one, we had Charge versus the Dragons, the Hunters versus the Spark, Defiant versus the Uprising, the Valiant versus the Dynasty, and the Shock versus the Gladiators. Um, Our hero pool ban was Soldier, Sombra, Winston, and Lucio. And the, the map types were Control, Payload, and Hybrid. And if they needed to go to four and five, 
they would go assault and control. Um, I was only planning on watching the teams that were from the Asian um, countries. Um, that was not true. I said last week, I hope there aren't any upsets. We definitely had a bit of an upset. So I watched both of the shock games because those did not end the way I thought they would. Uh, I did the exact same thing. Uh, I watched all of the Chinese games because I wanted to get the to get the pulse on what everything sounds like and feels like for um, you know the East Asia teams, right? Um, and then I was watching the shot games live, and uh, I I have a couple of comments on on some of them, um, but honestly, I just felt they they even said it themselves like after. Um, like Sinatra went immediately online afterwards uh, on his Twitch stream and just said, dude, it wasn't our week. Like we weren't feeling it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's a way to put it. I don't think anyone was shocked by the uh, defiant versus the uprising, the defiant taking it three, one, but uh, we'll, we'll go through the ones that we did watch. Um, so yeah, this is the first week that we're seeing any of the Asian teams playing. Um, there were a bit of technical difficulties. So for most of these matches, like there was no no desk at halftime. So Zoe, Reinforce, and Custo were not doing their analysis. It's just whoever the casters were at the time. And eventually, I think on day two, they really started to figure out how to, to make that work. Um, so yeah, so for the Charge versus the Dragons, um, we still see no Giguri. Um, and, and this was a 3-1 win from the Dragons. Um, uh, this is essentially what I, I thought it was going to be. So I think for what the announcer said and what I also do agree with was that um, for a lot of the reason why the Dragons won, it was because of the happy versus lip sniping battles that were happening and just their their play style on it. Um, happy on the, the charge was mainly going for the, the headshot kills, waiting to get a, a kill before he would take a shot, waiting to line up that perfect um, perfect sight line. Um, but Lip was going for pretty much whatever damage he could on the Widow and the uh, the Hanzo, so he was able to break shields more, do a lot more damage, build up his ult faster, which gave him a lot more utility to his team. Um, and and yeah, that was I think I think the the dragons were just all together better coordinated. They started a little bit slow on on a lot of their matches, like they would not take the point first. But by the end, they kind of got the pulse of how the charge were playing. Um, also, you, you had Fleta on the dragons, so I mean, the dragons and um, the hunters are were the two teams that I had still coming out on top of this whole uh, this whole East Asia thing. That's not just because I watched the Shanghai Invitational like before the season started, but like in terms of their lineup and who they have, like their personnel, um, I was expecting them to really like show up. Um, when it came down to the happy versus lip battle, I do understand, um, like the mentality of happy. It's like, if you could get one shot, one kill every single time, you're going to do, um, you know, amazing if you can get that. Um, but lips mentality is kind of the same as like what we should have at like every other level of overwatch, which is any damage is good damage. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a one shot, one kill. Um, it needs to just deal damage. And if you have damage 
dealt, you're going to be getting your ult, which means that you're going to have a better ult economy and so on and so on. So sometimes you don't always need to get the headshot. Sometimes you just need to get the damage in and your team could really coordinate off of that. Um, honestly, like if you want to take this to, if you want to take the lesson learned here and uh, bring it into your own comp games, the way how far is played, um, it should be used the same way. Just make sure you get the damage. It doesn't have to be pretty in any sort of way. You just kind of get a couple hits in and you should be good to go. Um, and, you know, if if you're going from like, my old experience, we used to run Farah and Winston. Um, Farah, Winston, Diva, kind of like a dive-ish comp. Um, the the Farah would get the initial damage and tell, them, tell the team who they lit or who they hit first. And then you just kind of collapse on that. And that's what we saw from the Dragons, at least. Like, they, they wouldn't necessarily get the prettiest shot, but the team was there and coordinated and ready to go. I also think the Dragons just mechanically had a better grasp of of the mirror that they were running um for most of the matches they were running may widow orissa sigma zen and baptiste um surprised to see the zen um but i think in general they they just used their tanks a lot better um you had a lot of really good orissa pulls and a lot of um better placement with the sigma and just i think dragons were a little bit better at being aggressive and using their ults I want to talk about that whole um, the Lucio ban. The fact that like the hero ban did hit Lucio, it does affect a lot of teams in the way how they have to play and the way they think. One of the things that most teams overlook that Lucio gives is the, the gift of speed. Um, you have that option and a very proactive defensive ult, which is you know the the sound barrier. Um, the only thing that counter sound barrier um, was luckily banned this week as well, but like Sombra. Um, is the only thing that could really like erase the barrier as quickly as it's given. So yeah, Lucio plays a lot of roles in a lot of teams, and a lot of teams have built around the fact that they could just speed in, speed out, um, and play that way. So it really does give teams that question. It's like, do we run the Brig, which gives shield, uh, has a good bash potential if you're getting Dove on, um. And also provides armor and, you know, AOE healing. Or do you go Zen, um, who gives you that defensive ult again, but also is very prone to dive. So um, that that's the one, one or two things that you had to think about, especially coming into this week. Okay, so Hunters versus Spark. Um, I, w- I was pulling for the Spark to win this. Um, I don't really know why. I just I just felt that they, they would do a little bit better than the Hunters. Um, Wolf said to begin the the round that the Hunters have a history of dragging teams down to their level. And I kind of felt that throughout this. They were, The teams were pretty much, um, it felt very even throughout. They went to map five. And this was like some of the, just the most aggressive, just throw your bodies at the point Overwatch I've seen in a long, long time. Um, the, the Hunters had a very unique style, I feel like, of, of splitting off and pincering, which it didn't really do do as as well to on the day one as it did day two but i feel like just their their style of just rushing the point and being as aggressive as possible um really threw the the spark off it is one of those teams that once again they are known for having their own set meta um and that's what makes the hunters like one of my 
most interesting teams to watch for sure. Um, they do throw their bodies at you. Like that is their whole goal is to make you yeah. panic under pressure and just get in there. Um, and so that's why they have like uh, a man who's always on like the wrecking ball. He's made his name on wrecking ball. And if you ever see his play, it's always to get people out of position. And if somebody's out of position, you have like Jinmu immediately on top of them. Like it's those kinds of like, we're going to knock you out of where you want to be. Then we're going to hop on top of you and give you no space. And that's, it's playing completely different from the way how most teams want to play. They want to set up, set up their spot, you know, figure out how they're going to take on the fight and fight it very traditionally. Um, but when you have somebody who's as weird as the Chengdu hunters coming in, you're going to have some weird like compositions and weird plays to work around. So um, yeah, it, I was really expecting it, uh, especially against the, the spark who have, uh, you know, Gu Shui and a lot of really good players on their team. Um, they're going to be taking their time and figuring out how they want to play the game uh, as well. But uh they're more of a traditional team like the spark are very traditional like we're gonna play slow and steady overwatch and then you see the hunters and they're like no we're, we live in your house now um and that's just how it is so it, it's interesting to see this game for sure um i was really excited when it went to went to five maps because i'm like both of these teams deserve to take what they need to do um but uh yeah we got to see a lot more I, I guess success with the hunters in the second day, but this matchup for sure was one that like is interesting to watch. Yeah, it's it's not anything like I, I guess the the Western teams. How um, with with these Western teams, you see more more coordinated team fights, planning out when to use their ultimates, using fights just to build ultimate. I felt like every single fight with the hunters was just body 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 on point body on point just go super aggro and eventually they'll take it yeah and honestly like there there are ways to emulate this in a lower in a lower tier if you guys want to take it but it does require a lot of coordination from your team um not every team that throws their bodies at at another team is going to win um most people will actually call that throwing uh, so you need to be more coordinated with the way how your team is played. It's the same way as playing dive. Like you have to be more coordinated on the way how you attack the point um, or even defend the point and using it uh, in coordination with your team to get the most out of it. So um, if you are going to go with a Chengdu style or yeah, you know a hunter style of approach to your games, you want to think about the coordination of your team do you guys think that you guys could tackle the same target all at the same time or is it better to just play more safe and traditional so for the next round it was the valiant versus the dynasty and the dynasty took this 3-0 which i was really ex I, was, I was expecting that anyway um i don't know for, for this one i feel like we really we got to see the old soul dynasty that we remember from back when they were really dominant um we got to see a little of, bit of them last week when they were in the um the exhibition match and um they lost very handily to the san francisco shock but i mean that that's nothing to judge by that was just a, a friendly 
fun round. But this, like, is the dynasty just easily steamrolled past them. Like, Gesture on the, the tank was doing really well as Hammond and Sigma, um, a lot better than some of the other teams who kept throwing Sig- uh, throwing their Hammonds on the point and just getting completely crowd-controlled. Um, yeah, Prophet was a, a huge key, especially on his uh, his Tracer. He got player of the game. I, I, I'm i hoping that the Dynasty are, are able to to do well this season as they were able to do last season. They they made it to, to the finals last season, so hopefully we can see them there again. Yeah, and I feel like with the personnel changes too, um, there's a lot to look forward to, especially for the Soul Dynasty. Um, especially the pick, the pickup of Profit and Gesture from the London Spitfire, like gave them, you know, that's that's their name brand now. Um, like it, it's that. And then you still have the veteran status of a lot of other players um, on that team as well. Like you still have the, the knowledge of Toby and a lot of like, you know, the very stable pieces that soul had so i'm really happy to see them uh you know pop off like this um but yeah like they they just did really well against the valiant i hope that um you know the dynasty continue to roll on with this they're they're a very strong team um and they can for sure if they they get everything down packed they could easily be like one of the tops so the upset of the day were the shock versus the gladiators. The gladiators took it three to one. And one of those rounds was a tie. Um, I, I was very, I just was very shocked at how, is this a case of the, the shock playing poorly or more of a case of the gladiators playing well, do you think? Cause I was really impressed by how aggressive the, um, the tank line and the um the healers of the gladiators were i feel like for for the shock like yes sinatra did a lot of really good work on that zarya but i don't think that their their dps line was really able to match um uh who was on their they have decay and uh yeah i forgot who their second was i'm, I'm actually Birdering. yeah birdering yeah, decay yeah. and burden. I, I don't. I just don't think that they were able to to match their aggression with it. Yeah, this is one of the cases of uh, the San Francisco Shock where I think that they were too flexible. Um, they were trying out things that you know we've definitely seen them before do things like this where they will you know put somebody on an off roll or put somebody put like Sinatra on you know the off tank like back on Zarya like something that he's used to put like rascal on a support put architect on support like this is just things that you're not necessarily used to seeing that personnel lineup on on that kind of roster but um yeah when it comes down to uh just the way how it was executed i don't think that they were ready at all um i do understand that like you know ans got got his first like peek at the game and this is like the first time that he you know, he's ever in the hot seat on the big stage. But honestly, like, we need to see, like, the Shock bring back that dominance. Like, they need to be more decisive on the way how they play the game rather than um, just relying that their team will have enough time or uh, have enough aggression to make it happen. Um, you cannot sleep on people like Decay and Bird Ring, like, on the Glads. They're, they're just strong. 
Um, and if you don't respect that, you are going to get rolled. Yeah. Big respect to OGE and Space on, on their tank line. Uh, Big Goose is in Shaz just kept them alive the entire time so like on on top of the shock not really being on top of their their damage output they they were even especially not able to do anything because they were just so supported um again for this i think like i said sinatra was really big on his zarya i think their zarya won them a lot of fights but i think he should i think he should just stay on the dps line i think the shock do better when he's just doing what he does on on tracer or reaper on or on his doom fist yeah i do agree i feel like the amount of damage that he's able to output on zarya is minimal compared to the way how he played on dps and having those having those numbers translate better that way rather than you know relying on him to be the only one who could like win you the fight there um it it makes you question like you know where where's Choi is he taking is he taking the week off like does he not want to play the Zarya um did they think you know Sinatra Zarya is better um just because like you know they can't run the dive like the hard dive um and they were running Smurf um I believe a lot more in this as well so if anything it just comes down to figuring out the right piece for the right fight and being able to figure that out is going to be up to coach crusty um and the way how you know these teams and games are going to be played okay so moving on to day two um we had the hunters versus the dragons the spark versus the charge mayhem versus the rain the dynasty versus the gladiators and the valiant versus the shock again i was only gonna watch the asian games and then the valiant pulled another upset so the shock somehow lost to both la teams um I'm not going to talk about the mayhem versus the rain because I didn't watch that one. And they, the rain won three to zero, which I think everybody expected to happen. Yeah. The um, rain actually did really well. If you if I could gloss over it really quickly. Yeah. Um, it's just the fact that like the rain have been together for so long and they were, they've been playing this playing as the same team since season two. Um, we kind of expected their, like coordination to still be there and then baby bay just popped off like he, he did really really well um if you ever watch if you want to go back to the replay watch R- baby bay on hanzo um when they're pushing on eichenwald like he just went off um there's a reason why the sf shock picked him up first like in our season one um he's just like he's a good reliable player um so I'm glad that the rain are actually making big strides with it. Um, and I hope that they continue on, uh, continue, continue their dominance. Yeah. The rain are just a very good team overall. I feel so. I think the Florida mayhem have a, have a little bit of growth to do first. They always seem like they're growing because they're always rotating out their like player pieces. But I feel like the moment that the Florida Mayhem like solidify their team, they're gonna be they're gonna start figuring out how they all work together and how to make it good. So uh, I think it's just a matter of time before the Mayhem start racking up some wins. But uh, time is something that we currently all have uh, currently in this quarantine. But uh, yeah, it's gonna take a season or two. Okay, so. For the Asian matches, the Hunters versus the Dragons. 
Um, I was again expecting a, a Dragons win, but the Hunters took it three to zero. Um, I think this was another case of I, I kind of don't like saying drag down to their level because the Hunters are a good team. They're they're playing professional Overwatch. They're getting paid to play this game, but it it just got to the point where I think the Dragons weren't prepared to to go as scrappy as the hunters are are playing. And like you said, the hunters are um, they're known for having their own composition and, and getting other teams to, to play the game their way. So I, I think that's what, what came here that um, the, the dragons didn't really have an answer to the way that the hunters were playing their pincer attacks coming from two sides. They, they weren't really able to split their attention effectively. Um, yeah, the the, the Pharaoh play was, was very good. There was a lot of really good Pharaoh battles in the sky, like mm-hmm. the, the splash damage, getting good angles. Um, yeah, the, the Dragon's uh, technical refinement that I think the Hunters are lacking, just it was no match for, I guess, the creativity and aggression that the Hunters displayed. Yeah, the best way how I could describe this is if you guys play like competitive Pokemon, um there's there's a move in the game called trick room which makes the slowest pokemon attack first and if you consider this the way how everybody plays the dragons are playing like a really standard fast speed like composition and the hunters are banking on this like really weird like off brand kind of thing that they're really good at so the hunters are really good at playing this weird dive pincer composition and playing in their own room. Like they they're just like, this is my house now. I, you're going to have to play by our rules. Um, and a lot of teams aren't used to playing against a team like that. Um, the only way how to get good against a team like the hunters is to play against the hunters. And so it's really weird it's outside of the box but it's something that they're really like professional at and they understand how it works so um yeah i hope we get to see a lot more of the hunters doing weird things like this um i i'm just hoping that you know they do have really good personnel if anything um saying that it's dragging teams down to their level is just like a really bad way of saying it it's making them play in a environment that they're not really used to like the hunter's style is like playing in like high platinum like it's just scrappy you're getting picks here and there there's no coordination it's just like things are happening and i just have to deal with it versus the dragons are like when you get to like gm and diamond they're always like Mm -hmm. okay we're coordinated we're gonna do this we're gonna dive backline we're gonna do you know everything according according to plan this is how it's going and the hunters are just like you know what boob them out of that spot we're gonna we're gonna tackle them there like that's that's our job like they they play by their own rules and it's really weird um and yeah it's just something that teams are not used to i just i think the chinese teams just have such a very different style than the western teams that we've been seeing for the past what was it like technically five weeks of play that we had mm-hmm. yeah I just, it's so it's so it's it's less focused on on the team fight and more of the individual performance of of taking out different heroes and 
and, and being creative than waiting for that ult. Like each fight matters, I feel like, when watching the Asian teams play. Yeah, there's no dead dead fight, so to say. Uh the way how it's really funny because like it's the complete opposite way of like how the the Asian mentality is when it comes to these kinds of games. Um they always champion like, you know, oh what get like for Western teams, the first thing that you do, like let's say if you lose, right? The first thing that they do is like, oh, my my other player was bad. Like, oh, my, my Zarya was bad. She didn't give me grab. She didn't grab. She didn't give me bubble, whatever, right? Like, it's always like, oh, my team was bad, right? Um, the Asian mentality is like, what did I do wrong? What can I do to improve my gameplay? And then when you see that, when it comes down to like the the Korean teams or, you know, teams like the the Shanghai Dragons and, uh, you know, the Chengdu Hunters, they're like, if my play is at the highest it can be and my teammates play is at the highest it can be, we're going to pop off on our own. We're going to do our own things and it's going to work. So um, believe it or not, it is still very coordinated in the way how they are doing it. It's just that if you have the best personnel, you are going to do the best. So moving on to the spark versus the charge. Um, this was a, a two three. This was a really really close one. Um, the um, so the the charge won it three to two. They did go. It went to that map five. Um, I I felt that the I felt that the charge I think had this a little bit more in the bag just because I think they were a little bit more technical with their play. Um, again, like the the there's no the Chinese teams are playing different than the Western teams is, do you think part of that has to do with the fact that they're technically really just scrimming against themselves right now and they're in their own division? Yeah, I do feel like it is part of like, you know, the only scrim partners you have that are on the same server as you are these like four teams or three teams who you can play against. So they kind of know how each other, how they're going to play against each other in a, in a way. Um, you would think that like a lot of the Chinese teams would have figured out how the hunters play by now, or like a hard way to hard counter it. But um, yeah, it does get kind of weird um, on some of these. So yeah, I hope that uh, yeah, I'll, I hope this translates over when they do play Western teams. But they are gonna be really strong, honestly, just the way how they're how they're played right now um okay yeah so i've the the casters called this the um the battle of the joes because they consider the these two teams kind of the the average joes of the league and if you look at how they were playing it was just they were brawling all out on the points it wasn't i didn't feel like any of these fights were really organized at all um i think that the charge did use their ults a little bit more effectively and, and smarter than the um the spark which is what what won them these fights but in general they were they were actually pretty even in the way that they were playing it yeah they they just kind of played on the same uh same vibe really so um yeah we're this is just kind of like looking at its own culture of uh overwatch teams play against each other um, it's going to be really interesting to see them play against other teams. And I, I'm i fine with what they had. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's gonna it's gonna be weird. Okay, so now we're moving on to the dynasty versus the gladiators. Um, a weird thing is that the dynasty, even though they're in Korea, um, they're considered uh, one of the the Pacific Western teams, so they're playing against everybody on the Pacific Coast. Um, I'm not sure why that is. I feel like they still should be part of um the Eastern server with the other the rest of the Asian teams. Um, I think it would give them a little bit more variety on that front. But the Dynasty were able to do a, a 3-0 on the the Gladiators. Um it was a there was one match that was a, a tie. Which one was it? I think it was was it Eichenwald? Yeah, it was it was Eichenwald. Um mm-hmm. But this was back to the more, much more recognizable Overwatch for me, where the teams were were waiting for that six man team fight. They were there were fights that were thrown away just because you're trying to build up and all. You're not so much trying to take the point because you know you can't. Um, yeah, it was just the the alts were also very planned. There was a lot more synergy in in how they were playing. Um, the the gladiators weren't as dominant as they were before. They did put up a fight, but I think this just further solidified how really good soul is at this point. Um, I I'd like to see them play um, against some of some more of the more dominant teams this season, like the Philly fusion or the Paris eternal, uh, maybe see them up against the shock again to see if uh, maybe, maybe the shock can, can get a little bit better play with someone who's like, with teams that have been playing more at consistently high levels than either of the LA teams, because the LA teams are good, but they're they're not at the level I think of, of the more dominant teams in the league. No, I do agree. I feel like that I want to see the dynasty unleashed against some of the higher teams. Um, they they had an unfortunate like echo game against the Shock, um, but everything else like against the the gladiators and the and the valiant we need to see them against like the philly fusion or even like the atlanta rain um just like other teams that are you know still in the same space but are stronger um than you know what we see right now um they they did flex a little bit and uh i hope that we get to see that come out uh when they do face off against teams that are uh stronger or on the other coast and then now to the final match of the week and another upset the valiant versus the shock um this match was a 3-1 so the shock didn't get rolled at all um but i think for this it's just it's more proof that the the dps line for the shock needs a little bit of work without sinatra there sinatra did have a couple rounds on um on dps um but he, for a lot of the time he was either not playing or he was on a tank roll um but when you have ksp and ksf just really dominant on their their tracer their mercy their mccree play um something's wrong there and Choi hyobin i think i think a lot of the problem with the tank line for the san francisco shock in this was that for most of these matches Choi hyobin was playing his wrecking ball but the LA Valiant figured out how to use their crowd control, like with their brig or with the the flashbang from McCree, to take out Choi Hyobin before the fights even really start. So, if the the San Francisco Shock have to rush in, 
they're already down a tank. They're already down a player. So that's damage and uh, damage sponging that they don't have. Yeah. Um, the way how they're trying to play the wrecking ball is not efficient enough in the team uh, style that the shock play. Um, I would have loved to see super on it, honestly, like he's been definitely practicing it. Um, but there's a different mentality when you play wrecking ball than when you play like, you know, even Winston or diva, like you have to think about like 50 different things at the same time. Um, and yeah, it's just a different mindset. Um, it really didn't work out for them. Uh, as we saw later, later down the line, they really couldn't like solidify what they wanted to do. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I, I don't even know. I feel like once again, their DPS line needs to be refined a little bit more um, before I feel like they could take Sinatra out of that main lineup. Yeah, I definitely agreed. Like Sinatra's, Sinatra's good on whatever they put him on, but the rest of the team, I think, relies on him too much. Like they definitely relied on him a lot last season. Although, like their DPS line is very flexible, Architect and, and Striker are really good, but I don't think that I, I don't I don't think that there's enough flexibility there. That being said, to have Sinatra trying to 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 tank at this point in time, um. How much do you think that this loss was just the shock being very rusty and not having played in the professional scene until this week? Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel okay. So I have a couple of theories. The one, the one is like the fact that they didn't have Lucio um, really throws off the way how the shock play. Cause they really do rely on Lucio a lot of the time. Um, and with that out of the pool, it makes Moth play either his his signature. Uh, he's either playing Brig or he's playing Mercy. It like or like some of the some of the picks for him were just kind of weird. So um, I feel like they weren't really comfortable there. Um, I wouldn't consider this a fluke though. Like if anything, I feel like the Shock just need to figure out how they play into certain bands like this. Um, like maybe put Arcad or maybe put uh put rascal in maybe maybe have him play something weird or let violet play zen or something like that it's just like really weird compositions that they need to do um because of the new hero bands um so this the weirdness of this week didn't stop at the end of the matches no the weirdness of this week continued into them picking the hero pools for next week um so this they week they this. finally did that the what we've been suggesting the entire time is to to weight the different um heroes that were being put in the pool to ban um so this week it was if you were played 10 to 25 percent you get one ticket 25 to um 50 you get two tickets 50 to 75 you get three tickets 75 and up you get four tickets which also leaves me the question like what if you're right at that that border percentage like 50% flat. Like what do you, do you get two tickets? Do you get three tickets? Um, but anyway, uh, so instead of doing the normal thing that they do with the, um, the drum, they decided to let Zoe's cats pick who was being banned, which was really weird and really inefficient. And I, I don't know whether I like it or not. 
They should do it every week, but a different animal, so it's not biased. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, I feel like it would be really interesting to have it that way. Um, or, you know, if you want to make it really fair, do the spin wheel. Um, you, you might have to do it that way. Um, but honestly, like, I, I'm fine with the cats picking as long as they ban the right heroes, which they did. So, <laughs> so thank the cats uh for for hitting the hitting some interesting heroes nonetheless yeah so um also the, i think if they need to do this they need to plan it a little bit better because the first time that they did the tank pick they forgot to include sigma so they had to do it again um so percentage wise this week Arissa was 49.8% diva 43.9% sigma 37.8% uh, Ryan sixteen point nine, Zarya fifteen point four, um, and Hammond fourteen point four. So the most variety we had this week was in our tank line. Um, originally Zarya was picked, but after they had to redo it, uh, Wrecking Ball was picked. Um, so that's going to take out next week a p- large potential for dive. I think um, just because of how a lot of the um, you get a lot of speed out of Wrecking Ball, you get a lot of disruption, you get a lot of um, damage from being able to pile drive you get a lot of the uh the the zoning from the minefield um i feel like the hunters are gonna get hurt a lot more oh, yeah. than any other team for sure oh yeah because amangus is so good on the wrecking ball and displacing people so it's what um, makes the pincer so effective yeah so we'll see what they decide to run i know that with wrecking ball in it means diva or with wrecking ball out it means diva is in so diva might have to be the disruptor but uh it's going to be really interesting to see if they maybe go like a traditional dive or if something else happens you've got houston and you've got the hunters playing next week so you're going to see a bit of dive so we'll see if they're able if they're effective without a wrecking ball um you still've got winston and diva like you said so there's hope there um for support the bands we had Brig at 65.3%, Zen at 56.5%, Ana at 40.5%, and Baptiste at 24.7%. Brig got the pick this week. So I think for next week, I'm expecting to see a lot of um, Lucio Ana's, maybe, maybe Lucio Moira. Yeah, we're going to go back to the regular standard, uh, your, your regular scheduled programming, so to say. <laughs> uh, you're going to have your Lucio Ana. Uh, for the most part, maybe if you if they want to get spicy, they can run run the Baptiste. Um, but honestly, I do just see like Lucio Ana just coming back into the meta, just because with Brig out, there's no real reason to even run that. Right. And so for the final picks of this week, we had our DPS line. Tracer was at forty nine point eight percent. May was at thirty seven point one percent. Hanzo at thirty point one. McCree at 16.4 and Doomfist at 14. Um, finally, we got a McCree May ban, which I was really happy with. Like, I I, I want to see more than just the McCrees at this point. Like, I understand the importance of um, using Deadeye to zone and to get some um, quick picks. Uh, he's got a little bit of sniping potential, but I, I kind of got bored whenever I saw the McCrees being played. And then I'm just really bored with May play like wall blizzard freeze every time. Mm-hmm. 
Who do you think is going to step up for the for the DPS line then without those two like very solid, very key picks throughout the last five weeks? Um, I do believe that Sombra might get picked a little bit more just because you have that. Well, Sombra's going to get picked to do the initial scout by a lot of attack teams. But um, other than that, I feel like uh, Doom is going to be unchecked. Um, considering that May is out of the pool, like the only way to really deal with Doom and McCree's flashbang is out of the pool. Uh, and also Brig is out of the pool. Uh, Doomfist is going to be doing some stuff. Like he's going to punch people through walls. There's not a lot of CC in the game um, besides like Roadhog Hook or Sleep Dart. So it's going to be really on them to, to deal with it. Um, but I can definitely see Doomfist being played a lot more next week. Um, but at the same time, uh, teams that play on longer maps, the Hanzo Widow is still an option. But I feel like a semi-dive composition now, now that you have your Lucio on a back, Winston's in the pool with, with D.Va, uh, Tracer and Tracer Genji is still available, but more likely like Tracer Doom. Um, you're going to have a lot more dive coming into uh, next week. That's at least what I see. Um, traditional comps as well are still going to work, um, but you just can't play slow and steady. Yeah. I'm hoping for a very more a lot very aggressive week next week. Um, we'll see. It we'll see if because we we do have the Chinese teams playing. So if we do have that aggressive like dive rush style, we'll see how the Chinese style of being aggressive goes against the uh, the Western style of being more aggressive. Yeah, and I, I'm definitely down to see what what comes out of it. I, I want to see some good play, um, and. We, we have a lot of really interesting matches coming up next week, um, for sure. We still have the whole uh, Chinese teams playing their own games. Um, but next week, like Western games-wise, the, the Shock have a rematch against the Valiant. Um, the Fuel get to come back out and fight against the Gladiators, and then the Defiant get go up against the Justice again. Um, and then the Outlaws come out to play. Philly comes out to play a little bit more. And then uh, we have Custa's uh, Battle of the Parents with the Fuel and the Valiant playing on the last day. So um, it is going to be interesting to see uh, yeah. to see some of these next next week's matches for sure. I'm excited to see the... Um, well, actually, no, we're not going to get to see how the aggressive styles face against each other because they're on different servers. Sad face. Um, so it's just going to be the four Chinese teams slugging it out for forever. Um, I am excited to see the Houston rematch against the Paris Eternal and to see how the Valiant and the Shock go for round two. Do you think that the Shock are going to let them roll, get rolled again? No, I feel like if anything, uh, if we saw what happened in, you know, history's past, uh, if the Shock get beat by a team, they make sure to like get back at them the next time. Like they make it a point, like what they did with the Atlanta, the Atlanta rain. When they were playing, when they got knocked down to losers bracket in the finals, um, they they had that whole mentality of like, you know what, we can't we can't be weak anymore. We have to we have to step up our game now. We have to do it. So the shock, I feel like they are going to get back at the valiant. Um, I don't want to call it now, but I feel like it is going to be either a three zero or a three one, um, just because like they they're going to come back with a vengeance. 
All right. Um, anything else you want to talk about for this week? Um, yeah. If you if you guys don't like the competitive pool, don't play. Uh, currently, right now, uh, in our games, we have a lot of the well, all of them except for Ash, hit scans banned. Um, and then tank wise, we have Diva, and then our uh our support is Baptiste currently. Um, I I'm okay with the way how the meta is shaping up, but like if you are a hit scan player, just skip out this week. It's fine. Like decay doesn't hurt that much. Like, uh, you just maybe lose like what I think it's like a hundred SR, and you don't go below diamond, so it's it's okay. So if if you're that high and you just fall to diamond, don't worry about it. You'll get it back next week. You're you're all good. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the gameplay analysis segment of this week's episode. Um, we'll check back with you next week. Hopefully the schedule doesn't change anymore. Um, I like 10 we, games all, a week. We're all settled with, we understand coronavirus is wrecking everything. We, we get our online matches. Just stop changing the schedule, please. I don't, how many times has it changed in the past couple weeks? Probably like, I think it's like, yeah, three or four times now. And, and they, they kind of do it without announcing it or telling anybody. Like I had to look on the website to figure all this stuff out because I was fully expecting the 16 and they just changed it to 10 without telling anybody. Yeah, they need to have it have like a press release or like a, you know, something to kind of let the people know because I, I don't want to be left in the dark all the time. Yeah. Going back to that uh, community support aspect of Overwatch not being the greatest. Um well, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week, and we'll, we'll see how Overwatch goes. Have a great week, guys. Stay safe, and, and wash your hands for 20 seconds and stop touching your faces. Next week, we look over the Overwatch League matches and hopefully the release of Echo into the main game. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear... Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.